Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Tonight, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor, we're going to trial. Simone Missick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, tonight at 9, 8 central on CBS. Tonight, it's the CBS original comedy, The Neighborhood. I need at least a month to prepare for a debate, not six hours. Actually, it's four hours. <laughs> no, my watch is broken, too. With Cedric the Entertainer, Max Greenfield, and guest star Wayne Brady. You gotta fund the schools or graduate fools. I stole all my lines. Look, don't worry, I got a plan. Okay, well, what is it? Okay, so I don't have a plan. A new episode of The Neighborhood. You're gonna have to give them a show. Tonight, 8, 7 central on CBS. Sports Radio FNZ back with you on a Monday, kicking off a brand new work week. The possibilities are endless. Attack the week. This is me, you know, doing my best uh, football coach impression. I, I hope that Will Healy appreciates that because he is a, a, a just a endless spring of optimism, of enthusiasm, and we talk to coach every Monday to kick off the final hour of the show. Will Healy, how are you, buddy? You got the halftime speech versus half. <laughs> you're in. Love it. I love it. I'm. How are things going over there? How's practice? Uh, how, you got momentum yet? Yeah. Uh, I, and, uh, we talked about it last week, but I, to me, it's just when you're, it seems like every day that goes by, uh, it seems more and more normal, like you're getting closer and closer. And so uh, I think the first couple, you know, maybe the first week even, it was, hey, let me address all the situations going on out there. Um you know, you're able to get a schedule finalized. You're able to tell them what's going to go on from an eligibility perspective, and they're locked in. They've been awesome. Uh, we had a really good scrimmage Saturday. Uh, gave them yesterday off, and had, just had some meetings last night, and uh, did a, did a lot of indie uh, individual work this morning. So uh, they've been great, man. It's been it's been so much fun. Well, if, if week one against App, you come out first offensive series. You got to script. I know you script these plays. First play, well, like what are you doing? What? Oh, take me through it. I know you're visualizing that first series against App State. Flea flicker, man. Like double reverses, pass. I mean, whatever play you want to pick, pick it. I mean, all you got to do is just kind of scroll your finger down the the play call sheet, whatever you want to call. It, we'll run it. Okay, cool. Uh, don't don't tempt me, Coach. Uh, you know I'll take you up on that. You mentioned uh, eligibility there a couple of minutes ago, and and I, I know it's a little bit different for you, but I, I think you absolutely have great perspective on this. I was reading Lane Kiffin last week saying any kid who plays in a conference that's canceled football to this point ought to be allowed to transfer, you know, to wherever they want to go because it's just fair to do it that way. What do you think? Well, it's easy to say when you're playing. Yeah, you know, uh, I mean, I. I I'm sure I'd feel different if I was in the Big Ten or the Pac-12 or Mountain West, Mac. You know, I, I saw something today where Franklin was 
was wanting to push for 20 hours a week and, and keep it kind of a normal season for, for the Big Ten. And, look, I, I mean, whatever side you're on, it's just kind of like what you're selling and recruiting. Uh, you know, you're going to do whatever is going to help your school. But, I mean, I, I think that in January they're going to give you an opportunity to be a one-time transfer anyway. I mean, what does it really matter if, if you give a guy an opportunity to go play? I thought about this. Honestly, if we weren't going to play and I had a guy walk into my office and say, Coach, will you help me with a transfer waiver to go play, you know, a, a senior or whatever, because like, so much is still up in the air whether you can even play in the spring. Hey, I want to go play football somewhere. What, how would I respond as a coach? And I came to the senses of, like, if a guy wants to go play, I need to help him go play. Yeah. And I thought I was going to be able to give that opportunity to him here, but I, but I wasn't, and so – you know, let me let me go help them, and whoever wants to stay, stay, and and we'll be fine. But you know, I think it makes sense. I just think you're going to have coaches say whatever is going to help their program at that time. And obviously, Lane wants to get some players from the Big Ten and Pac-12 to come transfer to Ole Miss. So I see why he's saying. Yeah, Will Healy, head football coach, Charlotte 49ers. He's with us on the Technicom guest line. I I, do, I know that we all would prefer to be living in normal times where we're not thinking about whether or not games will be played in empty stadiums, but that is where we are right now. You know, from a, a coaching perspective, knowing that so much you know rides on being able to to get this season played, and it's a very very I mean you got to thread the needle, you know, to, to get this season played and do so successfully. Would you almost rather play in empty stadiums this fall to ensure or to give yourself a better chance of finishing, or do you want to see people allowed into these stadiums? Look, I, I understand from a health perspective, whatever the right decision is, is what we'll go with. But I, I wouldn't, I mean, I want fans in the stands. Um, I, you know, one of the questions I've had to answer is, hey, coach, my mom has seen me play every game since I was a five year old. You know, is she going to be able to come watch me play? And I want that for our players. I want my family to be able to, to be here. I want fans at practice. See, I want to, I want to be able to get back to that. But I understand we're in crazy times and, if you know if our medical professionals don't think that's the safest thing to do, then we'll go with it. But I think you got to practice that. You know, I, I mean, I'm a big, you know, music guy in practice, and let's create some energy. And look, if you're going to be playing in, a, in an empty stadium, you're not going to have music playing unless it's a dead ball. You know, timeout. And and so you better be able to create your own energy. And and we've talked about that a bunch as a group of, look, if this place is empty, what kind of energy can you create? And so every day in practice, you better be. Uh, doing things that you think are going to help with that because that's a big part of how we play. Um, and so we're working on that now. Coach, I just I'm curious because there's been so much discussion about the possibility of spring football seasons, not just the Big Ten and Pac-12, but I mean, for months we've been wondering, could that work? And, and you got a lot of people saying it's irresponsible. You can't do that. You can't ask these guys to play two full football seasons in a single calendar year. Where do you come down on that? If they had canceled our season, I'm, I'm on here talking about how we can play in the spring. Yeah. If they haven't, uh, I think it makes sense that you're asking a lot of guys playing. Let's say you, you you play at Alabama and you expect to be in a national championship game. You know, so that's that's 15 games in a season you could be playing. Well, let's say they shrink it to eight or ten in the spring. You could be talking about 23, 25 games in an eight month period for some college players, and that's a lot to ask of them. You know, um, I, I just think that. The other thing about it to me is, look, we had 15 guys miss multiple spring practices because of flu-like symptoms. Like, viruses don't just go away in the spring. And 
I mean, shoot, Marcus West, I, I, he, um, he missed 10 days, uh, you know, as our co-defensive coordinator with flu-like, flu-like symptoms. So, I mean, we, we deal with a lot of these virus conditions. Uh, you know, if you don't feel great, stay at home. Some of the protocol we're using with COVID is what we use in the spring anyway because the flu is so prevalent. So I would worry about that as well. All right, so you, you've got a pretty pretty tough schedule. Like, I mean, I think it was already tough, but you've got now App State on the schedule. You pick up Carolina, who cracked the top 25 today with the initial release of the AP poll. Uh, Duke, obviously, is going to be a very tough opponent. But I'm, I'm looking at this and saying that I, I know ODU has shut down fall sports, and I, I've missed this, so maybe there's been an announcement. What do you do to fill that hole on the schedule? Well, I think right now, uh, I mean, originally we looked at a September 5th date, uh, we even talked to App about a September the 5th date with where we are right now as a county and a state. Mm-hmm. didn't make a whole lot of sense to try to do one on September 5th. It was going to be before we started school. You know, they weren't going to allow fans. And I mean, we even talked about Bank of America, something like that. That did It ended up not making a whole lot of sense. Um, you know, so September 5th was kind of off the table, and now with us moving school back virtually uh, to October 1st, you know, I think that we're going to – November 14th is the date we're supposed to play Old Dominion. We're going to leave it open. I think a couple things could happen. You could have a game rescheduled, or if everything goes to plan, uh, you could still pick one up. And and I think what you're going to end up happening – what's going to end up happening is people are going to be wanting to play that week anyway, whether they had a game canceled or you get some FCS schools that are going to want to try to get kind of a spring practice in before they hit the ground running in the spring or – you know, maybe the chances look bleak of playing in the spring, so you have a, a couple teams trying to play a couple games. So, uh, leaving that date open, November fourteenth, I don't think is a bad deal right now. We'll just get the right matchup, and we're going to still try to play twelve games. Or if we're beat up and we don't feel like it's right for our guys to do it, or you get an outbreak or whatever, then then you get some time to uh, to kind of regroup. Will Healy, head football coach, Charlotte Forty ers He's with us on the Technicom Hotline. Does at least in theory. Does not having people on campus, students on campus, make football easier? Well, I, I'm, I'm not advocating that these guys don't need to go to classes. I've never been a big fan of online classes mm-hmm. because I want our guys to have the student-teacher interaction. I want them to, you know, every professor to know who our players are. They sit on the front two rows. They don't have, you know, hoods on or cell phones out or whatever it may be. Uh, I, I love that. You know, I've never been an advocate of online classes. Does it make it easier? Absolutely. I mean, anytime you can say, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm talking about giving you a, a taking 31,000 people out of their lives for another week uh, or, or months, you know, it makes it easier. I mean, it, it's the same thing you worry about with parties and what you're seeing across the country at some of these universities when students get back on campus is, I mean, they're 18 to 23 years old, and, and they're going to go to fraternity parties, and they're going to have house parties, and uh, it's just it's, it's more things that our guys could get involved with. Uh, so without a doubt, from a football perspective, which is not the most important perspective by any stretch, it makes it easier for us to be able to keep them in some sort of a bubble. Yeah, I'm with you, Coach. Now, you you have, before I let you go, you've been putting some guys in the NFL. This program has been putting guys in the NFL the last couple of years. How much potential NFL talent do you have on this roster right now? We got some guys. They got to have a good year. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think we've got a couple. Um, you know, what's going to make it interesting is when you give, give these guys another year of eligibility. 
um, do they, you know, do they have enough? Do they have a good enough year where they can go ahead and go to the to the NFL draft? Do they need another year with statistics? Uh, you know, you got some sixth and seventh year seniors that have already been through some medical, uh, you know, waivers and things like that to get another year. Do they want to come back and play another year? That's a lot on your body, you know. Um, but I, I do think we've got, you know, three or four that could play at the next level. But they've got to they got to have. Really good years, and then they got to play really well against the competition that scouts are going to turn on first, which, you know, obviously we've got. The great thing about – you mentioned the schedule. The great thing about the schedule is every week you're playing, you have an opportunity to get a statement win. The bad thing about it is there's no guaranteed wins on the schedule. <laughs> so it's a very, very tough schedule, but when you're building a program, each and every week you have a chance to, to make a mark and to, to make a splash. So – those guys would have to play well in those matchups for that to happen. I'm with you. I'm with you. So, but but like you're talking about the the schedule, the conference. I mean, I, and you can speak to this. How has this conference grown in the past couple of years? Because it seems to me as I'm looking up and down this roster, I know the coaching hires have been pretty good. How is how has Conference USA grown as a football conference? Well, you know, I mean, for me, it's just year one, and I was uh, the talent is really good. I mean, not to mention the fact that. Me, the 20 and 27, 12 year old looking head coach, or sitting in, sitting in a room with Butch Davis and Lane Kiffin and now Willie Taggart and Rick Stockstill, Doc Holliday, Skip Holtz. You know, I mean, you go down the list on and on with a bunch of guys who have done it for a long time at a really high level. Uh, and then you got guys like Seth Luttrell, and, you know, who's probably one of the quickest rising stars in the profession. I mean, they're all looking at me like, does Charlotte even care about football hiring this dude? Uh, you know, so it's they're well coached. They're very talented. Uh, you know, and and each and every week anybody can beat anybody. And so there's there's some parity in the league with some really really talented teams that have opportunities. You know, in the non-conference schedule to to help our uh, our brand of football in the conference as well. Come on, you you get you can't sell yourself short like that. Don't say that about yourself. Listen, man. I, I mean, let's call a spade a spade. I get it. Like, I gotta, I gotta earn respect, and so uh, I'm okay joking on myself. There's no, there's no problem with that. Listen, every day you walk into our office, you have the ability to be, uh, to be humbled, and and I am every day I walk in here. What, what's the speaking of? Before I let you go, you're a dad. You know, you you like to make fun of yourself. I spent the entire weekend working on my lawn. I was seeding my, my I was seeding grass. I was watering it. I was mowing it. I was. I spent the entire weekend, Will, working on my lawn. What, what was the first moment you had where you were like, "Oh man, I'm turning into a dad"? Well, I think the biggest one that slapped me in the face was changing a dirty diaper. Oh yeah, like, okay. There's no turning back now. You know, I mean, this is. Uh, I, I say that. Eli and Wynn, my two kids, are the only humans in the country that can pee on me and poop on me, and I love them more. Uh, so, I mean, it is a sick love. There's no question about it. How about my five-year-old's in kindergarten right now at Charlotte Christian? So, growing up fast, man, but, uh, yeah, definitely that first dirty diaper was a, was a sight for sore eyes. I hear you. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate the time. Have a great week. You too, man. See ya. There you go. Will Healy, head football coach, Charlotte 49ers, with us on the Technicom Hotline. Always, always interesting. And they, they do. They've got a tough, tough schedule if they play it. They, they got App State in the non-conference to start the season. That That's a tough, a hell of a tough game. 
Then they got North Carolina, who, as I told you, with the uh, retraction or I guess the omission of the Big Ten and Pac-12 schools that will not be playing. The AP poll came out today. Carolina's a top 20 team. They come in ranked 18th. And Duke's not going to scare anybody nationally. But that's an ACC program uh, with, with Chase Bryce at quarterback and David Cutcliffe still leading the way. They're fundamentally sound. I mean, it's still a Power 5 program. Charlotte's got their hands full, you know, on top of the uh, the conference slate. And they're playing the usual suspects in conference outside of, you know, ODU because ODU's president made the decision two weeks ago to shut down fall sports up in Norfolk. So they're not playing anything at all. But outside of that, they got the full CUSA schedule plus Carolina, Duke, and App State. They're not backing down. And I, it's, I don't know what, what the record will look like at the end of the season, but they're going to be tested. There's no doubt about that. Good conversation with Will. We'll come back. And of the many things I still want to get to, there is a, there, there was a wild prediction. Let's call it an assumption that none of us understood. And it's now become clear why. I'll tell you next. You're in the clubhouse on Sports Radio FNZ. Sports Radio FNZ. No one has more opinions. No one has more insight into the business. That's why you'll get it all here first. And if you miss it, download the Radio.com app. You can rewind up to 24 hours of the show so you'll never miss a word. It's Wilson and Parcell. This is Sports Radio FNZ. On a Monday, big thanks to Will Healy, head football coach, Charlotte 49ers, for joining us there in the previous segment. Somebody reaching out already and saying, love this guy. Who wouldn't want their kids to go suit up for him? Yeah, that's that's generally the reaction when Will Healy uh, shows up to, uh, to talk football with us each and every Monday. And, well, he's one of the best. So I appreciate him doing that. Uh, 704-570-9610. Hit us up. Asa Abloy phone lines. Building Center text line. Follow me on Twitter at Kyle Bailey Club. It's at Kyle Bailey C-L-U-B. Uh, we were talking a lot of college football there. And the Big Ten, by the way, over the weekend, I, I don't know if you saw this late last week. There was supposed to be a protest. Parents, the coalition, the players were, were going out to protest at the Big Ten offices. You know, Sometimes smaller protests at campuses about the cancellation of the football season. Well, you know how sometimes we tell you, that you know, Twitter is not very, <laughs> it's not always reflective of real life, right? How Twitter can be a, a vacuum. It's a great place to get news, at least in my opinion. Great place to get news. It's also kind of a cesspool because it's a lot of bots and people who hide behind a keyboard to say nasty things. But there's great utility to Twitter. You can get news. You can follow important people or interesting people. But it's also not always reflective of real life. Most of the arguments that are on Twitter. Uh, the general public doesn't know much about, you know, so you, you have to keep that in mind. But the supposed protest over Big Ten football's cancellation was kind of like the stark contrast oftentimes between Twitter and real life. Because a group of parents of Big Ten football players showed up to protest outside league headquarters on Friday to demand more information about what went into the league's decision from two weeks ago to postpone the fall season. So, Smoke, if I tell you there was a protest on Friday, what are you envisioning 
if I say there's a protest on Friday, probably mobs of people in the streets, right on the sidewalk, raising banners, picket signs, screaming, going nuts, a big movement, a big show of force and unity. There were more media members there covering the protest than there were people protesting on Friday. I'm not kidding. About 25 parents showed up to attend this gathering, which was organized by Randy Wade, father of Ohio State defensive back Sean Wade. And the group featured mostly parents from Ohio State and Iowa, although Illinois and Wisconsin were also represented. Many of the parents wore their son's jerseys and T-shirts with team logos. Some carried signs reading, let them play and we want to play. And the Big Ten office, by the way, remained closed on Friday. Kevin Warren, the Big Ten commissioner and members of the conference staff have been working remotely throughout the course of the pandemic. So it was built up last week as this big protest outside of Big Ten headquarters to try to force Kevin Warren and company to reverse course and to play football. Big protest, big movement. They're showing up on the, on the, the, the front door of the Big Ten. There were more media members there to cover it than there were people protesting. That's that, 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 that contrast between online and, and Twitter and, and mobs of people on social media and what happens in real life. That's what it is. And I'm, I'm not saying there's not genuine anger or confusion about why the college football season, the Big Ten season specifically, was canceled. A lot of the questions and criticisms of how this was handled, was they're very valid. But you get 25 people showing up to protest, and there were roughly 35 media members there to cover it. I mean, that's, that's the way this thing's going. They're not reversing course. Kevin Warren has made that much clear. They're not going to reverse course. What has become very interesting, though, and I think very telling, is that it seems these conference presidents actually preferred to play, or excuse me, the ADs wanted to play. That much has become pretty clear. Kevin Harris over at 11warriors.com, an Ohio State site, but you can find this story anywhere. I just happen to be looking at this one. It is, uh, it's becoming clear that the ADs across the Big Ten absolutely wanted to play. It went against the wishes of every single athletic director in the conference. And Ohio State Athletics Director Gene Smith was one of the strongest proponents for playing a fall season. But it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, as Kevin Harris points out, that Kevin Warren, who is notoriously in favor of moving the season to the spring early on, put himself in the position to represent those athletic directors in talks with the presidents. Quote, presidents and chancellors weren't in the same Zoom meetings as athletic directors. Athletic directors weren't in the same Zoom meetings as medical personnel either. Seasoned athletic, athletic veterans like uh, Moose, Wisconsin's Barry Alvarez, Penn State's Sandy Barber, Ohio State's Gene Smith were left out of key discussions that shaped the league's decisions. Instead, first-year Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren was in those meetings as the athletic director's voice. So he was there supposedly representing those athletics directors, but every last one of those athletics directors wants to play or at least wanted to give it a go. So Kevin Warren was there in those meetings speaking on behalf of all the athletic directors who reportedly did not agree with his decision. That's a problem. And and I think there's a lot of th- this matters because not not it matters because they don't have football in the Big 10 this fall, but it matters more because you have a first-year commissioner up there who apparently doesn't have the support of his roster of ADs in this particular instance and has kind of gone rogue all while his son plays for Mississippi State, and at least as of now is very much poised to suit up this season to play for the Bulldogs in the Southeastern Conference. 
Now, what Kevin Warren decides on behalf of the Big Ten doesn't have a lot to do with his own son playing in the SEC. But he is under intense scrutiny, intense criticism, and in his first year in doing this job, after the departure of Jim Delaney, they're going to eat that guy alive. Came over from the Vikings. Reportedly, his, his career pursuit, ultimate goal is to be the commissioner of the NFL one day. Well, that may or may not be dictated by his ability to effectively lead the Big Ten Conference right now, and it, it's not off to a great start. We'll put it that way. So I, there, there's that. There's also, as I told you before the break, a, a story that shouldn't be surprising to anybody, especially not, well, <laughs> I was going to say especially not here in the Carolinas, but to some people, they tried to tell you this was not going to happen. If you've been paying attention to the reporting out of Foxborough over the last couple of days, not that we're going to be following Cam Newton's every step now that he's a New England Patriot. I'm not. Most people here won't. But it's certainly interesting to watch the contrast in reporting, Smoke, on Cam Newton and to watch all these reporters from the Boston Globe and 98.5 The Sports Hub and WEEI and the Boston Herald and all these different sites the way they're covering Cam Newton and the way that this was positioned in the beginning by the Scott Zolax and all the, the media folks up there is a true wide-open quarterback battle. And here we are telling you the whole time, that ain't a battle. That's, that's not even re- – you can call it an open competition all you want to. You can split reps all you want to. That thing was over the second that they signed Cam Newton. And I opened an article yesterday from Ben Valen from the Boston Globe about exactly that. Click on it. Second stanza, what do I see? A quote from Roman Harper in the Boston Globe yesterday. And Roman's telling these guys, yeah, that thing was decided the second they signed Cam Newton. And then these reporters are are live tweeting practice. Man, his ball placement's a lot better than we were told. Oh, yeah, no, he's been super accurate. No, he's blowing Jared Stidham away right now. Cam Newton just went 11 for 12 with a couple of bad drops. And uh, and Jared Stidham's thrown three interceptions. Like It's hilarious to watch some of the holdouts up there still pretend that this is an actual quarterback competition. No, it, it's been very funny. It's, oh, I feel like Herm Edwards, whenever I read this stuff, it's like, hello, hello, <laughs> it was right in front of you. It's not like you never played against him because he torched your team twice. Hello, hello. It, it's it's like uh, uh, NBA comparison to this, and it's actually on the 180 side. Dwight Howard, how many teams did he go to after the Lakers thing? It's once he went to the Rockets, oh, he'll figure it out. It'll, you know, he'll find his ground he'll make it up and then it doesn't work out then he goes to the hawks oh you know he'll make it up he's in his hometown now it'll work it out you know no no problems doesn't work out goes to charlotte oh you know it'll work out so on and so forth goes to washington it's like over and over and over again except everyone should have seen this coming everyone with brain cells should have seen this coming hello we we we, we tried to tell you we we tried to tell you that that wasn't even going to be a real competition Cam Newton is torching Jarrett Stidham and Brian Hoyer up there in training camp to this point. It's not even close. It's not even a debate. And so now watching the Boston media, some of them being like, yeah, this Scott Zolax, former Patriot pack-up quarterback who's part of the radio broadcast. I mean, he was basically guaranteeing people about a month ago that Jarrett Stidham, it was still Jarrett Stidham's job to lose, that he still thought Jarrett Stidham was going to be the court. Come on, y'all. It's, all, it's, it's already coming to fruition. That Cam Newton is the guy. Julian Edelman's up there in an interview yesterday talking about the way that you know Cam has come in and completely uh, taken over the locker room, captivated his teammates, taken charge as the leader of the offense. I mean, these are Julian Edelman's words. It was the fact that anybody was truly entertaining the idea that that this was going to be Jarrett Stidham's team and that Cam. Do you know how many texts we got 
the the week after he was signed from people saying he won't even be there through training camp. He won't even be, he won't last. He won't be there week one. He'll be cut. And immediately he's come in and taken Foxborough by storm and is blowing Jarrett Stidham and Brian Hoyer out of the water. Who could have seen that coming? Who would have thought, Smoke? Uh, he's not going to dance. He's not going to dab. He's not going <laughs> to. Bill will never tolerate it. No, he'll never do it. <laughs> he's dancing in practice. <laughs> he's dancing. It, it is music. By the way, did you see uh, Teddy Bridgewater over the weekend? You see the video of Teddy jamming back in the shotgun formation, dancing a little bit prior to taking the snap? It's hilarious. The way these stupid narratives get completely spun out of control. Uh, Teddy's all, he's all ball. He's all football. He's all business. It's a shot at Cam. He doesn't dance. He didn't even like music. All he likes is football. And then you got video of Teddy dancing in practice. F-150 Twitter is in a tough predicament <laughs> right now. They wanted Cam Newton gone for years, and then they got a quarterback who's all business, apparently. All business. And then they see him dancing. That's what it is. Thoughts and prayers. That's what it is. T's and P's. 704-570-9610. Hit us up. Asa Abloy phone lines. Building center text line. We still have a bunch to get to. We'll catch you up on the rewind and all that good stuff. Been a lot of fun today. We, we, we talked a lot earlier in the show about the uh, the Hornets draft, what they'll do with the third overall pick. This fr- this uh, fan base still very much basking in the afterglow of landing the third overall pick uh, on Thursday night in the NBA draft lottery announcement. And I have been, well, two things. First of all, I've been very surprised by the number of people who are either suggesting or outright promoting the idea of the Hornets trading back in the draft. I think that's the worst idea for a lot of reasons. But I would actually argue that if for no other reason than the, the morale of this fan base, you cannot even entertain the idea of trading back. You can't do it. You, know, you have real excitement and enthusiasm in this fan base right now with this third overall pick. It finally feels like the basketball gods shine their light upon the Charlotte Hornets. Why would you take that from these people? You, you wouldn't. Never mind the fact that Mitch Kupchak, and actually Smoke grabbed me this, Mitch Kupchak is very optimistic about the depth of this draft class. He thinks, despite what some would tell you, that this is a pretty good draft. I think this draft is going to be a really good draft. Um, uh, I think even if we stayed at eight, I thought we were going to get a good player. Uh, But moving to three does push you in a different category. And I think... You know, around the sports world, I think, you know, if you look at the mock drafts, everybody seems to have the same three guys in the top three. Now, I won't mention who they are. Everybody kind of knows who they are. You know, that might be true. That might not be true. Uh, But I think it will be a good draft. Those top three, by the way, uh, Anthony Edwards, LaMelo Ball, James Wiseman. Those are the top three that he's talking about. But Mitch is right. You know, that, that it's far from a guarantee that will be. The top three. So again, you know, trading it away, that's a non-starter for me. But also the fact that it is that wide open means you can feel potentially at number three like you walked away with the best player in the draft. And we had, uh, you know, I think it was Nada hit me up earlier saying that, you know, Chris Patola was was interesting, that he didn't have a strong feeling about anybody in this draft. And he's right to point out this is a situation where you just have to trust the developmental track, the developmental program that the Hornets have put in place. And you're probably going to be okay. You may get a superstar. You may just get a really good player. But I'm with Mitch. There's some good players in this draft. It's about finding and identifying the one that fits your organization, your plan the best. And then bringing that guy in, coaching him up, developing him, and, and planning for the future. 
We'll come back. We'll wrap up the show, the rewind, and we'll check in with Wilson and Parcell. You're in the clubhouse on Sports Radio FNZ. Sports Radio FNZ is a complete team effort. Live or online, use the radio.com app and download and listen to all your favorite FNZ shows. It's Wilson and Parcell. This is Sports Radio FNZ. One final time here on Sports Radio WFNZ. Kyle Bailey with you. Mark Seidel, Evan Smoke, Ludwig in the house. Coming up in 20 minutes, Wilson and Parcel. And uh, one of those two gentlemen should be checking in here in a couple of minutes. Also worth noting if you're out there, and uh, especially if you're out there on your lunch break or looking to grab a bite or really head anywhere, the RNC is now in full swing. And I, I just saw a friend of mine post a uh, an aerial shot of the presidential motorcade showing up into town about an hour ago so uh, and then hacksaw walked in as i hit the the break room there before the previous segment saying 77's completely shut down he had just come in so i don't know what it looks like currently just know that uh, with with everything happening with the rnc right now with the presidential motorcade arriving and probably you know going all over the place here this afternoon just be prepared for 77 to be shut down. Sidell, you're over there shaking your head. You, you're actually also in the unique position of having to hit 77. You, your commute's yes. not a short yes, one. Do. So uh, you may have to hang around a little bit longer before you take off. Yay! <laughs> and then everybody's going to be irritated. Everybody's going to be trying to hit the interstate all at the same time to get home. And it's going to be a bleep show as well. So there's that. So good luck with that. Well, and, and I did see that uh Beatty's Ford there was a big chemical spill on Beatty's Ford so you can't eat, uh, so I can't even take Beatty's Ford up you know up a little bit 77 and then hop on it up the up the way up there so. yeah so good luck with that yeah. smoke what you got over there also there was some sort of explosion at uh near Carowinds but hey it could always be worse what you this, said what now I think there's some sort of explosion you think that's that's the sort of thing you might want to know 2020 man yeah, okay, yeah, like the fire tornadoes. So, I mean, I wouldn't, if there was a random explosion at Carowinds, I wouldn't be surprised. Is this something I need to check Twitter for? I think so. I think I saw something about it earlier today, but it could always be worse because this isn't even a full blown RNC and 77's already shut down. So, imagine if it was a full blown RNC. Ooh, buddy. That, that's the thing about these huge, huge mega events, man. Like, on the one hand, people talk about all the, the capital they, they attract and all the money, the economic impact. Usually it's a little bit overflated, but still, you know, they, they do bring in money. But at the same time, they bring with them a ton of headache, a ton of headache. So, you know, Smoke, I'm not seeing anything about an explosion at Carowinds, buddy. I will have to we'll have to do some more digging on that. Yeah, I don't know. The, the only thing I'm seeing is uh, there's a Carolina Poly building. Uh, somebody just the hit a, somebody hit this up. It was a, they're saying a plaque. Pla you said Poly what? It's a plastic factory. Yeah, Carolina Poly building. You can see the smoke from as far as away as Carolina. Oh, okay. See smoke. You got to be you got to be accurate in that kind of reporting. That's all I'm saying. All right, uh, smoke. I've not seen anything from you yet. We'll, we'll hit you with the rewind in just a second. But Wilson and Parcel should be joining us in a couple of minutes. Somebody wants me to get Parcel a box of tissues uh, for the handoff. Uh, since his beloved tanking 76ers got swept out of the playoffs, that looks like Tim wants me to get into Parcel about that. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to do it. As a matter of fact, I'm starting to hope it's Parcel that comes down here. All right, but before we get there, let's catch you up on what you've missed. It's time for the Rewind. <laughs> 
And we go back to hour number one. Bobby Marks, ESPN, NBA, front office insider, former VP and assistant GM of the Nets, joined the show and uh, gave some thoughts on how tough he thinks this draft process has been and will be for NBA general managers. I asked my general manager, even before the lottery started, I said, what's, what's the worst position to be in when, when, uh, you know, when, when you're picking in October? And they said, number one, you know, you're almost kind of more content being in that three to four or five range there. I mean, yeah, of course, if, if Zion or John Morant were, you know, Carl Anthony Towns, some of these other, um, you know, these franchise level type players were at one and that's a little bit different. But I think, I think especially this year, there's no, as we know, there's no exact science to how the draft goes, right? It's so much different than how the NFL is. And the NFL is more about, um, based on need. If there's a, if you need a quarterback and he's there, you're going to take him or a lineman here. And, and the NBA is more about kind of best best available here. I don't know who the best available is right now because when you talk about LaMelo and uh, Anthony Edwards from Georgia and, and James Wiseman, um, they're pretty even. I mean, our guys would probably say LaMelo. Um, so you might see teams kind of shifting a little bit towards um, towards that need base. Yeah, I mean, James Wiseman might be the best available and he might be even, the, you know, he is a need in, um, you know, in, in Charlotte here. So, um, yeah, or if you're at seven or eight, you know, you might that guy three years from now might be better than what that than who's at one or two. There, there seems to be, as Mitch Kupchak said, three guys generally expected to go at the top: Wiseman, Ball, and Anthony Edwards. I thought Bobby made some really strong points, but specifically there, the draft process being tough. And this one will be tough because there, A, is no consensus number one overall pick, but B, as we've talked about the last couple of days, the trend has been that these NBA teams are getting worse at drafting. Despite the rise of predictive analytics and and everything else, they've actually gotten it wrong more often. They almost have too much information to work with. Here's hoping that Mitch Kupchak and his old school basketball eye can can keep the Hornets in the right lane and find another piece, another building block that takes them another step or two further in 2021. And I think they can. The right players in this draft for them. They've just got to pick him. Later in the show, speaking of draft prospects, Chris Patola, ESPN college basketball analyst, joined us and said he's not a fan of LaMelo Ball's game. I'm not a fan. Uh, I'm really not. And it has nothing to do with the off-the-court stuff, which I think is certainly a factor. First of all, the league he played in, this is not Luka Doncic in the Euro League. I mean, this is, that Australian league he played in was not a great league. The team he played on was not a good team. Uh, And so there were a lot of things he was able to do that he's just not going to be afforded the opportunity or the leash to be able to do those things. Um, He is very creative. He can handle the ball very well for his size. Again, he's about 6'6". But his shot selection is wild. His decision-making is high risk, high reward. So it's going to lead to some plays where you say, wow, what a great intuitive feel he has. But at the same time, you're going to say, okay, wow, like we just can't live with those types of decisions. Again, split opinions. I get why LaMelo is, is, see, I understand his appeal to certain teams. There are some places where he may be a fit. Elsewhere, he may not be. And I do think there are some organizations, by the way, who may not want to put up with the distraction that is LeVar Ball. You can disagree with that all you want to, but there are some organizations that will be deterred to a certain extent by that. You know, with, with like for instance, the Golden State Warriors. Well, apparently the Ball family doesn't want him drafted there. You know, but the Hornets, even with uh, Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier in the backcourt, are you really going to turn down an opportunity to get better if that's what you think that, that LaMelo Ball represents? 
Odds are probably no. Uh, but but again, it's about fit. And you aren't always saying that about a top three pick. But in this case, I think that's what most people are saying. Finally, Will Healy, head football coach, Charlotte 49ers, on having fans in the stands this fall in college football. Look, I, I understand from a health perspective, whatever the right decision is, is what we'll go with. But I, I would, I mean, I want fans in the stands. Um, I, you know, one of the questions I've had to answer is, hey, coach, my mom has seen me play every game since I was a five-year-old. You know, is she going to be able to come watch me play? And I want that for our players. I want my family to be able to, to be here. I want fans at practice. See, I want to, I want to be able to get back to that. But I understand we're in crazy times and, if you know, if our medical professionals don't think that's the safest thing to do, then we'll go with it. But I think you got to practice that. You know, I, I mean, I'm a big, you know, music guy in practice, and let's create some energy. And look, if you're going to be playing in, a, in, in an empty stadium, you're not going to have music playing unless it's a dead ball. You know, timeout, and and so you better be able to create your own energy. It's going to be different across the country. I suspect most schools, if they do in fact try to play, will be empty. But in the SEC, they're going to go for it. <laughs> Georgia's going 20% capacity. I think it's a terrible idea. But you know what? I get the appeal. I know why you want to do it. I get it. But uh, I, I think in terms of threading that needle and trying to play college football season safely and finishing it, I think the best option is to have no fans in the stands. But again, it's all driven by money because these programs are trying to make back some of the money that they're going to lose. That's the Rewind. A look back into the show brought to you by the Radio.com app. Download it. Use the Rewind feature. It's like DVR for radio. Anywhere, anytime, any segment for 24 hours. Use the Rewind feature and download the Radio.com app today. Josh Parcell. He's coming up solo this afternoon. He's smirking right now. Why are you smirking? <laughs> Am I? I'm you just, were smirking. I'm still just coming off of the Luka Doncic high of yesterday. How uh, fun was that? I, I, it was awesome. It was it was amazing. This guy is he's probably my favorite player to watch right now. I mean, Steph was hurt, so Steph has been my favorite player to watch for years, but man, I don't know how you can't like this guy. He he's the star that the NBA needed post LeBron. Him and Zion Williamson are the two guys I think that are going to be the biggest stars in the game for years to come and and last night was what I call an arrival game. That was a game where he has now arrived. He is a bona fide NBA superstar. It's one thing to do it in the regular season. It's another to do it against the two seed in the Western Conference. Uh, to even a series, That's that, that was a special, special performance and a special shot. It, well, it was. And even though I still think that your prediction he's a top three player of all times. Oh, I think oh. it's ridiculous. We want to we want to we want to return to that based on I, one game. No, I don't want to return to okay. that. But what I will say okay. is, I'm with you in that it was an incredibly fun afternoon of basketball. Yeah. And I'm Facetiming my dad yesterday. Where I hadn't talked to him in a couple of days. Yeah. He's watching the race in the background, and I've got the Clippers and the Mavericks on. Or no, I'm sorry, he's watching a baseball game because it, of course he was. And and like he, I'm holding him in my phone on one hand, watching the game. He's mid sentence, and I'm screaming like, Oh my! God, Luca just hit a step back 27 footer to beat the Clippers. And he's like scrambling to change the channel. But like, as soon as it left his hand, I knew it was in. Yeah. Like outside of that one misfire on the air ball, a couple possessions prior, he just was locked in. You you almost knew it was going down. He, he is so exciting. He's such a thrill. I was actually, 
I was playing Call of Duty with a Mavericks fan who had the game on one TV and was playing on the other TV, and he lost his ever-loving mind when it went down. I mean, he he couldn't be a bigger Luka fan. There's no bigger Luka fan than him, but Mavericks fans, it doesn't matter whether you're in Dallas. He's just likable. He's a likable kid, and I thought Ryan Rossillo made an interesting point about him this morning, though, and this happens to everybody. It happened to Steph Curry. I think it's going to happen to Patrick Mahomes. I think it's going to happen to just about, or or if it hasn't happened, it'll happen to any, any star. Eventually, you have warts. Like, eventually, they start looking for what's wrong with you. Now, that might be something that, you know, you do on the court. It might be something you do off the court. You know, the honeymoon period only lasts so long, but I enjoy it while it lasts. And we're at the very beginning of the honeymoon stage for Luka Doncic because I I, I hope they beat the Clippers. I don't think they will, but, I mean, they should be up 3-1. If Przingis doesn't get tossed out of that game in game one, there's a real chance Dallas is up 3-1 in this series. Mm. With the Clippers on their backs against the wall, and Luka has been the best player on the floor. And and Kawhi Leonard's been very good. Very good. But Luka's been the best player on the floor in that series. I'm not rooting against the Clippers, per se. Right. But I do think sometimes people forget that, you know, upsets happen in the NBA playoffs. I think people just assume they don't. Right. They do. And, And this could be one that I think turns out to be pretty memorable if it happens. It's it, it's great that there's no home court advantage, too. It levels the oh, playing field a little bit for some of those underdogs. Love it. All right, what's coming up with you real quick? Oh, so well, more Luka. A lot of Luka. How the Hornets could have ended up with Luka Doncic. Talk about that coming up in oh, just a little the bit. Oh, Cool. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but, but, why not? We'll, uh, we'll also congratulate Kimball Walker on winning more playoff games in the last eight days than he did in eight years in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good Lord. How about that? Oh, by the way, we were talking about this, too. People just assuming that uh, – how about the Boston media? That's a wide-open quarterback competition. Uh, well, we will also get into that. Kim will, shows yeah. up in a immediately yeah. shuts everybody we up. We will also get into Hilarious. that for sure. Oh, and you'll you'll like this a little bit later. What is on the do not play list for weddings? Oh, how about that? We got to mm-hmm. go. And uh, right. we got to tip our caps courtesy of Twin Peaks. Sports are back, so is Twin Peaks. Go to Twin Peaks. Smoke real quick. Teams that don't tank like the 76ers. <laughs> you get what you deserve. I'll tip my cap to Luka Doncic. He's given us something to talk about. We're back tomorrow. Josh Parcell is up next. For Evan Smoke Ludwig, Mark Seidel, I'm Kyle Bailey. This has been the Clubhouse on Sports Radio FNZ. Shake and bike. What does that do? Did that blow your mind? That just (laughs) happened.